sports success cannot be separated or isolated from financial success. Hello and welcome back to the Football Business Podcast brought to you by Football Business Insight. I'm your host, Wayne Tfam. Managing the finances of a football club is quite unique and complex, and one's club financial success might be heavily dependent on its sporting performance. In this episode, we explore how to develop a financially sustainable club with Pa Oroz, CEO of Ferencvaros Torna Club, one of the most historical and decorated football clubs in Hungary, and Dr. Florian Holman, Senior Lecturer in Financial Management from the University of St. Gallen. So with no further ado, let's get the ball rolling. Hi, Paul. Hi, Florian. Welcome to the Football Business Podcast, and thanks again for joining. How are you guys doing today? Well, if I may answer first, uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure for me to be here, and uh, I'm sure that we will have a fantastic time during the next one hour. Uh, yeah, we are doing fine in Budapest. Uh, yeah, the situation is not so funny internationally, but I mean, yeah, we are trying to make the best out of it, and we are preparing for the weekend game. You know, football goes on. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Yes. I. Uh, I mean, as you, um, as you know, I'm a university lecturer uh, and actually also a CFO of a small company. Um, so I'm not preparing for a game. I'm just uh, on that <laughs> side. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm preparing for the game of my club in Germany to watch it. Um, but yeah, otherwise I'm I'm doing fine. Thank you. Just yeah. here in Swi- sitting here in Switzerland. So of course the times are not easy. But I mean, um, I'm lucky. I'm sitting here in a safe country. So yeah. Let's let's. Uh, see what happens and make the best out of everything. Yeah. So actually that, uh, you know, give me a great idea how we can start a podcast. Why don't we like warm up our sections with a little biographical questions? Maybe you guys can introduce a bit about yourself in a few words and, you know, what brought you to football industry? Because we all like football enthusiasts. Uh, maybe we can start with you, pal. Yeah. Yes, thank you very much. Well, actually for me, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting story because my father was a player in Ferencvaros. He was, uh, well, I can say it, uh, a legend of the, the club. He was playing in France between 52 and 66, quite a long time. And during this period, he was several times champions and cup winner in Hungary. And uh, actually, he was a member of the team which had the biggest Hungarian uh, club success in international football, winning the first Cities Cup in 1965 in Torino, beating Juventus 1-0. It was a different time in, in, in the life of Hungarian football. And uh, yeah, myself, I'm I'm, uh, I'm I come from marketing business. Actually, I'm I'm one of the owners of uh, one of the biggest Hungarian uh, marketing and advertising agencies called Human Telex, working for for multinational companies. It's a 32-year-old company employing 80 people, and uh, this was my core business. And actually. Uh, when I got a call from from President Mr. Kubatov uh, that. Uh, Ferencaros is willing to take over the club from 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 the previous owner, Mr. Kevin McCabe, who also is the owner of Sheffield United, uh, actually, and he asked me whether I would be interested in 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 being the CEO of the club, and I said, yeah, this is not a question. So I I I, I quit being the CEO of of my company. My partner is doing it right now, and uh, I've been doing this job for 11 years now. 
and during our, our conversation, I will come back to this, this topic because most of the time we we, we, we take into consideration our, our past in the and our present in, in marketing business as well. So actually when you when you when you manage a club, you have to realize that this is also a brand, just like any other brands, and you have to manage it that way. So uh, this is just to start. Okay, my son is playing in a club right now in the second team. I'm the only one who didn't play in the club in the family. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah, that's that's me. <laughs> But you manage it, so that's even better. That's even cooler. Yeah. Um, splendid, uh, beautiful. So, uh, how about you, Florian? Yeah. Could you tell us about yourself a bit? Yeah. Yeah, I'm also not a legendary player of any club, but um, I I actually got into football like uh, like most people. Like, of course, I played football, and I've been a football fan since I was very little. And my dad took me to the stadium. Um, like, I was born and raised in Bochum in Germany, and that's my home football team, Fauville Bochum. And um, yeah, ever ever since I can remember, I've been a big fan, and but also a general like uh, cared about the football industry and got into it more uh, when I started studying business. Like I also looked at the business side of football more and more. And um, then during my studies here in St. Gallen as a student, I did an internship at Deloitte at the Sports Business Group. So also worked in that area a little bit, um, and then. Later, when I did my PhD here at the University in Financial Management, um, always did some football research um, in between. And now as a lecturer, like frequently um, published studies, like one with you guys at Football Business Insight about uh, financial sustainability in football. Uh, so I basically decided to connect both like my professional background, my knowledge in the finance area with my passion for football. Um, to like work a little bit in that industry, publish studies, analyze the financial numbers, um, try to explain things to fans in an easy way. Like I've been in quite some German speaking podcasts to actually um, make it a bit understandable what happened during COVID, um, what financial management in football means and translate those complex financial terms a little bit. So that's basically what I do in that area um, next to teaching and yeah, working as a CFO in in a fashion startup in the fashion industry. So that's that's still finances, but far away from football. Splendid. And I think we have the best of both worlds today. We have a like practitioner from the uh, real club and then we have like a football scholar. Uh, okay, so gentlemen, uh, today we talk about uh, football uh, financial sustainability. I don't know if you guys have uh, read the book uh, Star with Why by Simon Sinek, but I'm a huge fan of that. So why don't we start with the why? For the first question, why football clubs should be uh, more financially independent or sustainable? Uh, could we start with you, Florian, from a, a scholar or a researcher perspective? Um, I mean, the why is it's basically my answer would be because in the end, it's the only way like independent. I don't know if it's the only way, because right now you don't have to be financially independent. Like you have a lot of successful clubs who are dependent on their owners um, who burn money and wouldn't like succeed without their owners. Uh, I mean. Yesterday, we kind of saw that this can also go in the wrong direction with Chelsea having mm -hmm. quite big problems right now, right? Um, but in general, let's say financial sustainability. Why? Because on the short term, you can have sporting success without financial sustainability, right? And the main goal of nearly every football club in the world is to be successful on the pitch. And um, on the short term, you can be successful without financial sustainability, but in the long term, you cannot really. Like we've always seen examples like 
Borussia Dortmund in the past, you know, when they had their financial crisis, they were very successful for a certain certain amount of time, but then nearly were relegated to the second division in Germany. And like now Barcelona is struggling a little from the best club in the world or one of the best to maybe uh, let's see if they reach the Champions League now or not, like they are doing better now. Um, but if you don't work sustainably, you cannot have long term sporting success if you don't have an owner who always puts fresh money in the club. Exactly. And and how about you, Pao? Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, actually, I, I, I would go, if you don't mind, I go back a little bit in time. Uh, well, you know, talking about Hungarian club football and talking about Ferencvaros, as I said, we, we, we were one of the top clubs in Europe in the 50s and 60s. And uh, yeah, my father was also a member of the Olympic bronze medalist and gold medalist team. So it was different times in, in, in Hungarian football. And um, there was a lot of people asking me that well, what happened to Hungarian club football? And we are coming, coming back to, to financial questions right here and political questions as well. You know that um, in the late 60s, some people in the Western part of Europe, well, it was not communism at that time, realized that football is not only a, 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 a sport, but it's, it's, it's a business. It's a branch of entertainment business. And they, 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 they started to, to treat the clubs as, as, uh, as brands. And it's very important because in Hungary, clubs stayed uh, clubs until until the 90s. And uh, during these these decades, a huge gap became financially between between big clubs in Western Europe and uh, and uh, ex big clubs in in uh, in Eastern Europe, like like Ferencvaros. And like as I said, in 1965, we beat Juventus in the final of the First Cities Cup. And and now, if we look at Juventus financially and look at uh, Ferencvaros financially. The gap is 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 really so huge it it, it cannot be it disappear again. I mean that's for sure. So we have to set realistic goals uh, if you, if you, if we are managing a club like this and uh, we have to present internationally and due to this uh, due to these goals we we have to create a background a financial background which which enables us to to be present. But we will never be back again to the to the times when 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 we had the chance to win international cups i mean uh, you know this is this is very very important and i will talk later about when we took over the club how it was and financially and how it is now but it's very very important just like florian said that you know without money you cannot do anything i mean this is a business and you have to realize that this is a business and each and every club has to be treated as a brand just like any other brands on the market and with the, each and every club has its brand characteristics, has its target group uh, called supporters. Uh, the only difference between other brands, uh, multinational brands, and for example, a football club, is that the football club is a is a love brand. So once that you're attached to a club, you will never switch to another one. Meaning that your target group is constant, or if you do your job well, your target group, meaning the supporters, will become bigger and bigger. And this is what happened actually when we took over the club 11 years ago. We made the research. I come from marketing. The president comes from politics. We believe in numbers. And uh, we made a representative research in Hungary. And we saw that out of the 10 million people living in our country, uh, a little bit more than 1 million supported our club, which is a huge number. Looking at there, it's 10%. And then we, we we hired colleagues who are professionals and and not necessary supporters because you know when you when you look for 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 a professional he will take decisions uh, uh, without emotions and 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 this is why it's important not to not to employ supporters to to keep positions because because it, 
there's a chance that they will take decisions uh, based on, on emotions and not only on, on rational uh, background. And uh, this is how we, we went step by step. And now we arrived to, to the level that, uh, according to the latest research uh, in, uh, last year, we, this, this supporter base went from 1 million to 2.2 million, which is like 22% of the population. And this is a base of the financial sustainability as well in a club like ours. Super interesting. Uh, I'm I'm so glad you mentioned about like uh, you know football are simply not run like a business in the past, right? But uh, because you came from more like a business side of thing, uh, you you have your own uh, advertising and you certainly have your business mindset. My follow up question is that um, have you ever been in a uh, dilemma situations where you have to balance uh, sporting success and uh, the financial bottom line? Because I think that's one of the hotly uh, debated topics in in football business. You know, when we when we took our club, as I said, 11 years ago, the first thing was that we have to set uh, realistic goals for ourselves, and we said that okay, this is the most important. Well, the the, the, the very traditional and the club in Hungary with biggest biggest fan base and so on. So it was not very successful uh, sports-wise. And first, we had to we had to come back to the Hungarian level, winning Hungarian cup titles, Hungarian league titles. And then to 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 make the next step and come back to the international scene, and uh, it happened the last three years because the last three years we had three group stages participated in three group stages once in the Champions League and twice in the in the Europa League, and this generates revenues as well and you can make the next step. So I mean, sports success cannot be separated or isolated from financial success. Very well said. Um, thank thank you, uh, Paul. Florian, um, you mentioned earlier like um, uh, like how financial play a big role in the sporting success, and and I think I had get a chance to have a claim as your uh, recently published article about the Super League attempt uh, and why certain clubs uh, were so pushing for it. Uh, could you share a bit about it, and uh, why is it? Is it because of their financial situation? Um, yeah, I think it's actually um, it's a mix. Um, like um, when, like it's already some time ago, right? That the first ideas came out. I think around one year or something, uh, when some clubs were pushing for founding the Super League. And um, during that time, I just quickly analyzed the financial numbers to see, okay, at what stage is which club? How did COVID hit them? Or what was their situation like before COVID? And you can basically form three clusters when you look at those clubs because. Um, I think like you have some clubs who don't need the Super League financially, like, for example, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund, who also weren't really in it. Um, even like also before COVID, they had a quite high equity ratio. Like um, for them in a crisis, they are still quite sustainable. If they make a minus, it's okay. It's not nice, of course, but um, they can survive it with their balance sheet structure. Um, Bayern went into, I just have the numbers here, around 70% of equity ratio. Um, Dortmund had like 65, so that's very stable, right? And other clubs like Chelsea Football Club, Manchester City, due to their owners that put so much money in the club, they also have very high equity. So they also don't really need it. Um, and then you have Real Madrid in the middle. Like uh, That's the first cluster for me, like clubs, clubs that don't really need it. You have Real Madrid in the middle, kind of a sum club, because they are not as unstable as sometimes people say. Um, I think with uh, Fiorentino Perez, when he took over again, um, after their first big shopping tour with Cristiano Ronaldo in the past, they actually did quite stable management. Like also before COVID, they had nearly 40% in equity. Um, so that's really not too bad. I think... Why they wanted the Super League was mostly because 
with the revenues they have right now and um, like with the money they have, even for them, it's hard to compete with Manchester City or PSG, like to get the best players, to get them, which Real Madrid wants, right? They they want to be the best club in the world. It's, it's how they see themselves. They want to win the Champions League every year. And um, now they are not the club with the most money anymore. If PSG wants a player, they financially, they get every player, you know? So I think that's why they wanted to go there. And some other clubs, basically a lot from Italy and Spain, they really needed the Super League financially. Like, for example, if you look at Inter Milan, they uh, had an equity ratio in 2020 before COVID of minus 8% already. They were basically over indebted in their balance sheet structure. And all the other clubs like Barcelona had a little like 5%, I think, of equity still. So um, that also went down, of course, during COVID. And um, now they're probably over indebted. And uh, Milan had little equity. Atletico Madrid around 10%. You know, all those clubs have very little equity. They have a lot of debt. And for them, the Super League was kind of the only way out of that. Either that or what Barcelona had to do now, sell players, don't buy very good new players. They corrected it a little bit in the winter, but of course they cannot spend as much money as in the past. And they had to let Messi go because they didn't, didn't give him, couldn't give him a new contract. So I think it's three kind of clubs to sum that up. Uh, some that don't need it, Real Madrid that uh, wants it to be like the richest again. And uh, so, they are, so they can sign a lot of players again because now they are losing a little bit um, against Manchester City or PSG on the transfer market. And then clubs that saw it as kind of the only way out of their financial misery. Lovely, lovely. And uh, since we mentioned about the uh, equity ratio, is it like one of the most important criteria um, to, to uh, you know, like evaluate one's club financial sustainability? Um, uh, there are different criteria. Of course, in the short term level, clubs are very liquidity driven. Like you would always assess your liquidity, especially for the next season. You know, do you have enough cash to pay your players, uh, to pay for all your expenses? But um, like to be actually stable and also survive economic crisis, you need equity. And um, I mean, there are two ways to get it, right? You sell shares, some clubs do that, um, or you make profits and retain some. Like you don't spend everything you earn, but you make profit. And in times of a crisis, and that's why I analyzed equity ratios so much, they are important because the COVID crisis was unexpected for everyone, right? And you can only cover up for losses if you have equity because like financially, your losses go right into your equity. So if you have 60 million of equity, make 20 million of losses, then easily said you only have 40 million. And if you don't have equity, you cannot cover up for that. You over indebted very easily. And also if you need short-term liquidity in times of COVID, um, if you have a lot of equity, a bank would give you a credit. You know, they would say, okay, you have liquidity problems now, but you're very stable, you'll get a credit. If you have very little equity, very little securities, there's no way a bank would give you money because it's way too insecure or for very high interest rates. Um, maybe you need to give them like all of the money you're going to earn in the future as securities, a lot of securities, and then they might. So it's much, much harder. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, so... Just last question for that, uh, Florian, like uh, what would it be the safe uh, equity ratio for, for clubs, not only for big clubs, but like uh, for clubs in general, like smaller and medium clubs? Um, that's hard to say. I mean, for small clubs, it's also quite hard to reach, you know, because you're in kind of a red race and everyone spends everything they earn. So to retain profits is not too easy for small clubs. Um, in business, we always say, I mean, people also argue about it. 
Um, if you're not in the, like for banks, it's different again. Uh, there the equity ratio is very little, but for most companies in normal business, we say 25 to 30% at least um, to have a very solid balance sheet structure. And um, like a lot of bigger or medium-sized clubs reach it. But uh, of course, in smaller leagues or for smaller clubs, it's really not too easy to reach that. Mm-hmm. Um, Pal, uh, I want to have this question for you. Like, how would you evaluate uh, the financial s- uh, sustainability status at uh, Feroz? Uh, do you have like certain criteria for it, or what does it look like in reality? Yeah, well, I, again, I will go back a little bit in time, if you don't mind, because it was quite a, quite a big change in the last 11 years. So when I took over the club, uh, it wasn't that in serious debt well, compared to Hungarian standards. I'm talking about millions of euros and uh, the salaries haven't been paid for four and a half months, not only for the players, but for the administration workers, the bills haven't been paid and so on and so on. So actually we bought the club back for one euro from the owner plus debts. And then we asked Erson Young to make a revision and uh, and to, 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 to make an origo point. So to see where we start from. And it was a, quite a disaster. <laughs> just, just to mention that, for example, uh, I had to give a loan to the club, for example, you know, to 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 pay these these um, these amounts which were not paid in the in the in the for, in the last four and a half months at the time. So this is where we started from, and then we said, okay, the first thing that we have to do is to be transparent. But this is this is the most important thing. This is what will make it possible for 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 sponsors to come. Otherwise, nobody would 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 like to to join a project like uh, like this. And then uh, we started, and then we 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 said we we have to go step by step. And uh, as Florian said, you know, smaller clubs they 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 have danger to spend all the money they have to to reach uh, um, sporting success, you know. But at the same time, you have to you have to consider it as a business, and you you have to be very careful. It's just like in any any other businesses in football, it's the same. You know, you cannot spend more than you earn, and you have to you have to 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 create uh, a situation when you have the most possible fixed uh, revenues, I mean, that you can calculate with. And this is what we did. And this is when when a big change came in the life of the club, when uh, after the construction of our new stadium, the Grupo Marina, which was constructed in 2014, and uh, was a totally different atmosphere around the club. And this was the first first step. Then we said that okay, we are we are stabilizing the situation with the new sponsors which came, with the revenues from the skyboxes, with the revenues from from the the VIP tickets and the the the, the season tickets and so on and so on, and uh, and this was the the first step. Uh, and and we gave out the operation. I'm talking about fixed revenues. We gave out the operation to to Sport Five. Because we said that okay, we know how to do everything, but we never operated the stadium, of course. And and uh, let's 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 uh, let's do it uh, with somebody who's professional in this. And we said that okay, we're giving out the rights for them, and we we get a fixed revenue with a bank guarantee every year plus a big percentage of their profit. And uh, and with this fixed revenue gives us the chance to 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 plan for each and every year. Uh, and then we have the extra money coming from the UEFA competitions, then from the sponsors, and so on and so on. So we have to stabilize the things. And and uh, for for a club of our size, uh, it's very important that uh, we 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 do not spend all the money that we have, and we never spend more than than we have. And uh, 
of course, we always want to be better and better sports-wise, but but uh, we cannot afford to to get players that some other clubs can. For example, in 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 Europe, not talking about those clubs that you mentioned, Florian, because they are so far away, you know, that we will never be able to compete with them. Once or twice it happens that on the pitch you can you can be almost equal. Like when we played in the Champions League against Juventus and it was a draw until the 92nd minute in Torino, but it's a miracle, to be honest. And then talking about the pandemics, uh, it was a, a, a horrible thing uh, financially as well, because imagine that finally we are in the Champions League group stage. We play uh, clubs like uh, Dinamo Kiev, we play clubs like uh, yeah, Juventus and Barcelona. And we rent out the because our stadium's capacity is 22,000. And we said that okay, Juventus and Barcelona are coming to Budapest, and everybody wants to see this game against Fenerbahce. So we rented out the big stadium, Pushkar Stadium, 67,000 capacity. And then it was closed down <laughs> behind empty doors. We played there, you know, no revenue at all. It was a disaster for us. But uh, we, as these things happen, and you have to be very flexible in a club of our size because. You know, as I said, and this is the most important, you never can spend more than you you, you see coming in the, from, from the sponsors and from, from all the other revenues. This is just a quick reminder that we are in the middle of the Sustainability Focus Month. The Focus Month is an online on-demand event taking place on our website with keynotes, presentations, interviews and panel discussions about, of course, sustainability and also financial sustainability. You can get yourself a ticket for uh, 19 euros and watch all the sessions. It's more than 15 sessions with uh, more than 20 speakers. And uh, yeah, get yourself inspired by the presentations, the, the different topics, the cases and the, the keynotes. Uh, if you're interested in directly getting in touch with the speakers, ask questions and, and get answers to your specific issues, and then um, you can register yourself for the sustainability Q&A session. Just go on our website, www.footballbusinessinsight.com and register yourself. You don't need a ticket for the Q&A session, but I think um, getting a ticket for the focus month is really worth it. Excellent. And I think that you have a pretty uh, innovative thinking because uh, from my humble uh, perspective i know that football clubs they have a chronic tendency to to live beyond their means uh, anyway uh, let's quickly recap the first part the why uh, football finance management has certainly many uh, distinctive aspect and uh, it doesn't uh, usually operate like a noble business and but however like you uh, just mentioned pal uh, it seems to me that the covid-19 pandemic is a turning point and it might have reshaped the football industry, uh, specifically football finance management. Okay, now we understand about the context or the why. Uh, let's uh, jump into the how, right? Lots of clubs out there want to know how how they can develop a financially sustainable club. Uh, so, Florian, what would be some practical strategy for, for the clubs to achieve this, especially after the COVID era? Yeah, I mean, if it was so easy and I had the clear answer, right, then everyone would do it. And it's also easy for me to say it as an as an outsider. Um, but of course, I mean, you, you need to think about some stuff and uh, try to come up with, me- with some measures. So like as a club representative, um, I think one of the most, like also for my report and just in general, like with my project, I've spoken to a lot of CEOs or CFOs of football clubs. And I think the most important thing for some people 
is a little change of mentality just uh, which already happened a bit due to COVID. Um, because, for example, um, in the past, a few years ago, one of the finance guys from Schalke gave a big interview, like Schalke, the German club that has big problems now, um, gave an interview in a finance magazine. So really not football related, just for finance managers to talk about financial aspects in football. And he said, we really don't want to make a profit because then we have to pay taxes. Sporting success is number one. We also don't want to make, make a minus. But our ideal scenario is we qualify for the Champions League and we have a zero at the end of the year. We just break even and um, I think that is the mentality a lot of clubs had and that is something that needs to change in the mentality because um, it is fine to make a zero if you are very stable already but if like Schalke your equity is always close to zero and sometimes negative sometimes positive depending on how many players you sell and if you're really dependent on selling your best players every year um, then that becomes kind of dangerous so I think in your mentality you should try to build up certain kind of reserves for the bad times to have some stability and then it is fine to make zero every year. But that I think is an important aspect and saying that also not to plan with the structural deficit every year, which I know a lot of smaller clubs do, especially I've spoke to a lot of I've spoken to a lot of people from the Austrian league um, as a, like a smaller league. Um, Red Bull Salzburg is the only like a little bit richer and bigger football club there and all the others are um, kind of small and um, they nearly all of them plan with a structural deficit and that means in the realistic scenario for next season so maybe reaching the second round of the national cup being whatever fifth sixth in the league um, we make a minus so not to make a minus we either need to have sporting success we didn't plan with like reaching the international competitions or going very far in the cup or we need to sell players but that's obviously also very dangerous because it can turn into a vicious cycle because if you have a very bad season then you're not going to earn much money with your sporting, with your performance on the pitch. And also your players are usually not worth as much, right? If you're in a big crisis, maybe you're relegated to the second division, even if you're in a bad situation like it was with Schalke now, then suddenly your players are not worth much anymore. You know, and like relying on this structural deficit and always thinking, yeah, I can sell a player every year or maybe I have successful sporting success. Um, yeah, that that is a problem. And it's easy to say that, of course, because it's kind of a red race in your league. All the others plan with it and spend a lot. So you need to spend a lot as well. Um, but and that's why. But we can talk about that maybe later. Maybe you need just clear rules that everyone follows. Um, but yeah, from the mentality, I think that's short term two very important points. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that it takes a while to, you know, like to employ a new mentality, right? Like when you say to, you know, inject a new culture to be more financially sustainable. Um, but how about the short term? Is there any like short term uh, tactics that clubs can like uh, implement immediately to, to improve their financial status? Yeah, well, actually, <clears throat> what we do is, is uh, yeah, we have a model that of course, as a club, we want to sign the best players, the best uh, coach, the best uh, everything, which is affordable for us. But uh, sometimes we, we we say that, okay, we want to get a better player, a better coach, which normally we cannot afford. So I say that we have to work out, and we did it, uh, a bonus system, saying that, okay, you come here, you play here for, for a certain amount, which is, I think, quite a decent uh, salary. And uh, if we have sporting uh, merit, you will get an extra bonus. So saying that, okay, for us, the goal is always to get into a group stage. And then we get some money from the UEFA. 
And if I get some money from the UEFA, I'm happy to give some money to the players or to the coach from this money, because otherwise I, I wouldn't get anything. And uh, and this is this is how we do actually how we how we sign players and how we sign coaches and the and the whole stuff that we say okay you get a certain salary you get certain benefits but if you reach the goal that we want to reach together as a club you will get extra money and this is uh, this is a model I think that which can be used in 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 clubs of our size. Mm-hmm. So you mean like to introduce some uh, like variable. Um terms or components in, in the player or the the coaching staff contract yeah but i think i think in reality that would you know like there's a lot of work in that right like the negotiation process is not that simple um but uh, i have a chance to read one of your report uh, florian and you mentioned about like uh, one of the strategy for club is to think about uh, a different revenue stream diversify their revenue stream so uh, could you give us some ideas about it or some example um, I mean, th- that I wrote as something you can do um, during the COVID crisis or like you can think about in the future. So it doesn't if, like crisis like that, if th- something like that comes back, doesn't affect you as much because what you would easy what you would like or let's say let's go back to what happened during the COVID crisis. Right. Your revenues went down as a club because some clubs couldn't even play or you played without any spectators in the stadium. Um, hospitality, which is very important for German clubs, I know, went down then by a lot, uh, sponsoring as well um, for some clubs. So your revenues go down, but your cost structure doesn't really go down much. I mean, in the stadium, yes, you don't need to buy fresh food and beer for spectators if there are none, but that's just a little bit, right? Your main expenses are on player salaries or on your on your staff, and um, that doesn't really go down. You can negotiate with them, but um, it doesn't really go down. And that is, of course, a big problem. So things you would like to do is either stabilize your revenues and disconnect them a bit more from what happens at the pitch or make your fixed costs more variable, which Paul just talked about. You can make it a little bit more variable with according to the sporting success. I think ideally for every club, but that's, of course, a little bit more in a utopia, you would link salaries completely to re- your revenues because then you're in much less danger, right? If you always know this player earns, let's say he's a very good player, he earns 10%, 12% of my revenues. So it would be always linked and go up and down with your revenues. That would be the easiest, but uh, I mean, that's something you would really need to negotiate and would be something completely new. Um, but stabilizing revenues, of course, is if you look for revenue streams that are really not much affected from what happens on the football field. And um, I'm, I'm, of course, clubs are doing that more and more, like more clubs are getting into esports and already earning a little bit of money there. And that's really not affected from like what your team does on the weekend. Um, and some clubs, uh, we talked about brands before, like if you have a very strong brand then also in times of um yeah if you don't have big sporting success people still buy your merch and um like you, you keep your fans like if you if you're a very good brand like St. Pauli in Germany for example they sell a lot of merchandising because they have a very unique mm-hmm. brand image they are the more lefty club from Hamburg and a lot of people just like their logo and buy their clothes so that is also something you can do but of course it's also not easy but um, stabilizing your revenue streams like that and trying to find your sources that are not as volatile with the sporting success, that is, of course, something that's very good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I have a chance to spoke to like uh, the head of commercial from Sang Pauli when they, you know, they 
uh, launch their own like apparel uh, brands. So you know they produce their own shirt and and they create such a strong unique brand image. And I think that's a way how clubs can use their like uh, uh, community engagement to to diversify the revenue stream. Uh, just to follow up on this question, uh, Pao, do you have to think up new revenue stream like after the COVID? Because when we talk about uh, football revenue stream, we always talk about like um broadcasting sponsorship and of course ticketing yeah uh club like our size it's very important for the revenue coming from transferring players and uh, <clears throat> you know when we we didn't have the sporting success that we have now uh it was very hard to attract players coming here this is also why it's important to be part of the european competitions group stage because once you want to sign a player and you said that okay look at us the last three seasons we were in the champions league or the europa league it's easier for for them to come here and we say okay we can give you a certain salary but you have a chance to go on and this is why for us it's very important revenue and also image wise as well it's very important to transfer players so this is why we did it we we, we transferred mohammed beshic to everton a few years ago then we transferred uh, somalia to toulouse to the french league then uh, we transferred uh, uzumi to, to 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 la liga and uh, we transferred a guy to the to the russian league and then uh, yeah to Serie A and so on and so on it's very important because then i can say players coming from south america or africa okay come here and this is a place where you can stay two or three seasons and then you have the chance to go on and we will we will let you go because it's important for us that that uh, as i said it's important for the image of the club as well but it's very important as as a source of revenue and this is what we are working on right now this is a source of revenue and it's very important to to form your own players in your academy and this is this is the best uh, way to because then you don't have to buy a player but you have to form a player and then you can transfer this player to another club and this is what we did with Adam Noit, transferring him to Bologna, to the Serie A. It was a, a fantastic uh, business for the club. And I think this will be very, very important as well. And talking about the, the transfer fees in Hungary, compared to the Western standard, it's it's quite low. So it's quite easy for, for, for bigger Western European clubs to, to, to get players, from, for, for example, from Ferencvaros. But for our standard and our financial background, it's very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Transfer is uh, certainly an important add-on. Uh, but besides transfer, uh, would you consider something else, uh, like a bit far away from the, let's say, the sporting side of things? Yeah. Uh, as I said, with the, with, the, with the construction of the new stadium, that there, that was a new situation because the old stadium, we only had the, like the normal seats and a few VIP seats, which was really not the European standard. I mean, it was a stadium that we liked a lot, but it was really, it was constructed in 2000, uh, no, it was in 1974. And uh, yeah, it was uh, with quite uh, an old infrastructure and so on and so on. And when the new stadium was constructed, we, we said that, okay, we, we can we can make it the place to be during the weekend. So people, it, it's a fashionable thing to come to this stadium, you know. It's a fashionable thing to to buy VIP tickets. It's a, it's a fashionable thing to, to, to be a Skybox owner. We have like 34 Skyboxes and the price of the Skyboxes are not low, especially to Hungarian standards. So the, the season's price goes from, I think, 60,000 euros to about 150,000 euros per Skybox. And you have to get it for at least three seasons. You cannot get it for one season and there's a waiting list for for the skyboxes and this is also a fixed revenue that we can calculate uh, in the future as well plus we use our stadium not only as a football stadium but we use it together with sport 5 as an event center 
So, for example, the year before COVID, we had like 270 events in the stadium, talking about conferences, talking about everything. We also had wedding in the stadium, you know, but we, we give out the stadium as many times as possible. We had concerts there like Robbie Williams, Depeche Mode and so on and so on. And it generates revenue uh, for the club as well. And it's very, very important. You have to take it, as I said at the beginning, it's a business and you have to be open and you have to be very flexible. And you have to you have to monitor the market all the time what they need or what they don't need. For example, a Skybox owner, if they buy a Skybox in, in, in the Grupo Marina, they can use it 365 days a year. So they can have meetings there. They, the, there's a parking facility under the stadium. So it's very, very, lo very located between the city center and the airport. So normally uh, it's, it's really a good meeting area as well. And we have to generate revenues from this one. Absolutely. And I love the idea of the, you know, the wedding at the, the, the stadium. I think I would love to do it. Like, but I have to persuade my girlfriend first, right? Okay. Anyway, uh, I have this question that I want, I long want to ask uh, one of the club executive is that uh, when we talk about football revenue stream, is match day tickets are the, the easiest for you to control, right? Because let's say if the fans coming in, they pay the tickets, you got the money immediately rather than the transfer fee or the, the sponsorship because, you know, you have to deal with another party or partner. Is it is it true? Well, actually, talking about Ferenc Aris, the match day tickets is, is uh, well, mostly the, the match day revenue, 70% uh, of the match day revenue comes from, from the VIP area, to be honest. Uh, you know, and the rest of the tickets is very, very important as well. But 70% comes from 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 this area, uh, and uh, and this is why we have to give a very, very good treatment to the to the VIP guests and and make a very good image. This, as I said, this is the place to be. So normally they come to the game, they they have a few drinks, and then they go out dinner after or whatever. And uh, yeah, I think it's very, very important. Uh, we have to attract more and more people to the stadium. We have like different. Uh, we have we have a department who is who is dealing with with the CSR activities and and also uh, we have program with schools. You know, so we visit schools on a regular basis uh, every second week. Uh, some some of our colleagues and athletes go to schools and give out tickets and uh, and 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 then when you give a ticket to the to the to the kid. He comes with the or she comes with the parents, you know, and maybe they will like the whole atmosphere and, and come next time as well. So we have to get more and more revenue from from match days. That's true. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So uh, I know the next question is going to be a little bit broad, uh, but if I am a club, uh, ideally the small to medium clubs uh, size, uh, what would be the baby step or what would be the blueprints for me to to be more financially independent and sustainable? Maybe we can start with you, Florian. Yeah. Uh, the blueprint. I mean, that's that's a that's a tough question. I think, uh, like from what you see, like all the very successful examples, um, it's as easy as having the right people at the right place in your club. I think because um, Paul said something very important in the beginning um, that if the club is run by fans then it's a problem if you're too emotional or only by people who focus on the sporting success. Like you need a lot of football knowledge, of course, in the club, but you also need the business knowledge and the people who say that's as far as we can go financially and that's where we need to stop. Like people that know something about brand building, marketing, about finance and um, can manage that. So 
that's a first thing, right? That um, you you don't go too far and get overly excited with buying players and you know where, like, I would really love to have the player, would love to spend that money, but that we cannot do. That we really cannot do. And the second thing then is, of course, in the area of sports, having the right people in place there as well. Because what Paul said for, like, a lot of smaller, medium-sized clubs selling players is very, very important. So, of course, you need a very good scouting very good youth system and also like a coach that can develop those players right you saw so many examples in the past if you have the right coach like uh, be it Jurgen Klopp as the most famous example like or other players who just uh, are very good at developing young players or uh, Ralf Rangnick in a lot of clubs just giving the German examples here as a German um, then you like that is of course very very good for your financial situation so Really having the right people, the business background and the sports knowledge at the right place, I think that gives you a lot because then a lot of like the problems of spending too much money or um, like not generating enough revenues are solved if you have the right people at the right place. But that's, of course, also not uh, easy, like otherwise every club would have the right people at the right place. Yeah, and if I may add, may add something to what Florian said, that actually talking about the people, the right people to the right right place, and it's also very important that, you know, as any other businesses, football is a business, and uh, in businesses, crisis comes. It's not a question of yes or no, it's a question of when. And when there's a crisis, you know, you have your people, your professional around you, trying to solve this problem together with you. And uh, once that you solve this problem, you, you know maybe who's responsible for the crisis. Okay, the first responsible is me because I'm the CEO, but maybe some other guys as well. But you have you you don't have to fire these guys. You have to keep these guys in the club because they know how to manage a crisis when the next crisis will come. You know, and it's very very important to 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 have the right people at the right place and to to respect these people and 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 to make them feel really the most important guys in the club. Yeah, great example for what Paul just said um, in the in the German league would be Freiburg, SC Freiburg as a football club. They are not one of the big football clubs, which also gives them the advantage that um, it's very quiet around them. Like the media is not as crazy as in other cities like Hamburg or in Ruhrgebiet with Schalke and Dortmund. And uh, they have the same people like the coach is there for, I think, more than 10 years now. And uh, their former coach in the past, Volker Finke, also for a very long time. And the management positions as well, like they keep their people for a long time. They sell good young players every year, make money with it. And sometimes they play in the international competitions. Right now they're having a very good season. They were even relegated in between to second division, but kept the coach, went up again. And their business model is very, very stable. Like they have the highest equity ratio in the German league, more than 80% as a licensed club who cannot sell shares. Um, they just made a lot of profits during the year, never spent everything. And so they are very, very stable for times of crisis financially, but also with their mentality to keep people. Mm -hmm. But of course, you can only do that if you if you are sure you have the right people at the right place, right? If you just hire a coach to see what happens and then see after one year, okay, it really doesn't work. You cannot keep them, and um, yeah, that that is that is of course the thing. Wow, that's an excellent this is the model yeah. that we followed. Actually, we had Thomas Doll as a coach for five and a half years, you know, and uh, yeah, after we had Sergei Rebrov for for three years. So we are not changing the the, the sports stuff very often. I mean. It goes the same for the colleagues. Yeah. Uh, first off, I want to comment on uh, Florian' example of uh, SC Freiburg, and I think that's really uh, like uh, eye-opening, mind-blowing. Uh, 80% with the 
the size of that club it's it's like really astonishing and uh, one follow up for you pal is that like um when i talk about people um like they all usually the same uh, answer would be like the people the right people are gonna be the biggest success factors so i want to have like a follow up on that like how like as a ceo when you let's say you recruit or let's say you want to keep your people how would you do it is there any like tips and tricks or according to your experience absolutely well, there's different tricks but i mean in finance uh, it's called the frody frody is the nickname of the club everybody calls it frody it's called the frody family so it's it we have a very familiar atmosphere you know we don't only have football i'm responsible for football but we have like 30 different kind of sports with uh, 32 Olympic champions and so, so it's a huge club and these uh, the, the 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 athletes go to each other's games you know and 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 it's really a very familiar background here this is one thing the other thing is everybody lives from the market so you have to give competitive salaries and you have to get uh, people who are good in their in their territories and this means that whenever you want to get something to the marketing department maybe you have to look at the marketing department of for example multinational companies and not football clubs in other football clubs but you have to get those professionals who are good at their 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 job and this is very very important so when you want to gather people you don't look around in sports but you look around in business Mm -hmm. So learn from other industry. It's it's one yeah. of the the tips. Yeah, now you have to get the best practices from other industries as well. As I said, this is a business, and and uh, supporters hate to hear that this is a business, <laughs> and supporters hate to hear that we consider the club as a brand. But I always tell that look, if I don't consider it as a brand, there will be no club. So actually, I'm a supporter as well. As I said, my background, you know, I grew up in the stadium. But you have to you have to be different. You have to be realistic, and you have to be very rational when you take decisions. Yeah, but um, I, I think like with the brand, it's always two things, you know, you can do it good or bad. And uh, as someone who knows a bit, I'm not from marketing like Paul, but of course, uh, I've also studied a little bit of marketing. And also as a football fan, I think like the biggest, biggest mistakes are always if you try to put a brand on a club, like you as officials decide, okay, this should be our image. We have this slogan, this hashtag now, and that is our values now. And they don't really fit to the history and the origin of the club. And you have examples like that. And then it really doesn't work with the with the fans, of course, as well. So like really knowing where you come from and what you stand for then you don't really you can sharpen the brand then but the brand is already there because people already talk about the club like that my home club VfL Bochum we have always been the small club between Dortmund and Schalke like the true hard-working football club for the small people and now they are really they're working on the brand now and every, all the fans like it because now we really stand for that hey here it's honest football it's beer and a sausage on the weekend we have the old style stadium you can watch true football here or you go to, you can go to the fancy arena in dortmund that's fine but we are the opposite of it and you attract the fans you need you're never going to get as big as dortmund but uh, you found your niche and um, like it really fits to the club and that is very important i think that's very important what you just said florian actually you, you never have to rebrand the club. I mean, to, to put it to a different uh, aspect. I mean, you have, like Fenerbahce was founded in 1899. It's a very traditional club. And this, this let's call it brand, has its own brand characteristics, just like any other brands. And you have to respect these characteristics. If you do not, and you want to change the whole uh, scope of the club, the whole brand, the, the image and everything, then it's a disaster. You have to, you have to go, uh, step by step uh, from the, the 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 brand character characteristics what the, what the club has, and you don't have to change the characteristics. You have to shine it up a little. Bit. Mm -hmm. 
that's just what you guys just said is amazing. Yeah. And when I reflect myself as a football fan, uh, by the way, I'm a Liverpool fan. And I think one of the friends asked me why you like it, why you love it. I think because I see myself in that a certain uh, characteristic. And I think the club don't need to be like uh, as big or as successful as they can, but they can be unique, like you guys just said. Wow, that's just amazing. And um, I know we're coming to the end of the podcast because we're running out of time. So uh, the last two questions. First one, what would be the future outlook for the football finance management? Would it be like more on growth oriented or like after the COVID pandemic, they would be like, you know, uh, financially sustainable? What would you, you think? If we could start with you, Florian, here. Mm, yeah, I, I think you have to differentiate, uh, differentiate again uh, between like a lot of different kinds of clubs. Um, what I think the football industry before COVID was used to growth. Like you were growing so much every year. Um, you always got more money from broadcasting in a lot of leagues. And if you played in international competitions, it was more and more money all the time. Um, more fans in the stadiums. And uh, already at least in Germany, a little bit before COVID, you saw a kind of stagnation, like the stadiums weren't, we were used to all the stadiums in the first division being sold out all the time. And that didn't happen completely anymore. It was the first time in forever the clubs got a little bit less money with the new broadcasting contract. So um, in times where you always grow, of course, you can also spend a lot of money. It's not as risky, but when you have like COVID were, was really like an impulse that um, made the financial crisis then much, much bigger, bigger. But now you know you're not growing anymore. You're kind of stagnating. And um, if you're not growing anymore, of course, you need to think about being more sustainable and cannot take as many risks. And But it really depends in the future. Like uh, we talked about those clubs who are owned by states, basically, or very rich individuals. They don't have to be too financially sustainable. And also the very big clubs, if the Super League comes one day, which is probably very likely, and then a lot of money is put in, you know, there there is a lot of money in the game just. But for most clubs, I think in the outlook, um, the crisis showed that you, you have to be more sustainable and focus more on having some reserves. Mm-hmm. And, and how about you, Pal, in the, let's say, in the views up uh, for in first? Yeah. Uh... Well, financial sustainability is, is the key. I think it's, it's, it's the key word and the key expression. We always have to find the right balance between our big dreams and, uh, and being realistic, you know, at the same time. So you have, to, you have to aim high, but you have to be realistic. So we will never, never get into the mistake uh, that we, we, we communicate that, okay, we, we will beat Liverpool in a few years' time. We know our place in the, in the, on the map of, of, of international football. And, uh, yeah, we know our financial background. And you always have to, to take small steps in, 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 in clubs like ours. We cannot, we cannot take big steps because if you take big step, there's a big risk of, of going bankrupt. So actually, this is this is I think very very important. Uh, but at the same time, our example shows very well that from the from the point where we were 11 years ago, we can get to a point where we are now. Meaning that participants of group stage last three years doesn't mean that we will be there every year. But I say that it's realistic to be there. I think three three years out of five on regular basis. And uh, so this is this is very important to find the right balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also also an outlook uh, to add to that. I think that at some point there will be new rules implemented by leagues or UEFA or whatever, because um, like one thing that is going to happen is 
Paul always wants to play in the international competitions, obviously, because that's where he gains money. But if he succeeds every year, it's very likely, if they don't make big mistakes, that he will be uh, the Hungarian champion every year because he has way more money than the other clubs. If he's the club that plays in the international competitions. I live in Switzerland. We've seen that in Switzerland. In the past, it was Basel who always played in the Champions League and became champions for like seven years in a row or something. Now it's always Bern. In the last years, it's always been Bern. This year, it's the first time where they have not a very good season and Zurich is going to become champion. But I mean, in Germany, Bayern Munich is always the champion. In Italy, at least for a very long time, it was Juventus Turin. In France, just if PSG doesn't want, they won't be champion. But otherwise, they will always be in Austria, always Red Bull Salzburg. And that is a vicious cycle. It is a problem for the leagues because the declining interest in football that some leagues already see will be accelerated with that. If always the same club is the champion and you know, okay, they they, they are financial far away and Pal feels like a smaller club, obviously, because if you compare yourself to Juventus Turin and play against them, you are a small club. In your own league, you are a big club. And even Bayern Munich, Munich says sometimes, yeah, internationally, we are not a very big club anymore because we cannot pay the same salaries as PSG or Manchester City. But in the league, we can pay more than any other club, you know. And I, I don't have the solution to that, but I think you will need more measures to keep the interest in football. Maybe it will be a Super League one day where all those clubs play together and they are not in the leagues anymore, like the very big ones. Um, but yeah, I also don't have the concrete solution, but I fear as a fan that the interest of football will decline because of that. And then you feel it again in your pockets as a club, right? Money-wise. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wow, that's a fascinating, fascinating, fascinating insights, guy. Uh, just unfortunately, we're running out of time. So before we wrap things up, what would be your biggest key takeaway for the audience day? Well, uh, from my my side, I think that we always have to to be very flexible. We have to always monitor the market. The The, the the situation in sport and in business and you have to always always take the right decisions taking into consideration all these these what i just mentioned i mean you know you can big dream big but but you have to be realistic and this is very very important beautiful how about you florian yeah i would like to add because that's how i finished on uh, what i just said i think a very big takeaway is on the long run maybe they don't see it now but on the long run you will need international rules for um may be it if it's a salary cap um like for not a hard cap but uh, like uh, you know um, a flexible cap according to your revenues to have more financial stabilities and how you distribute the money from the international competitions on the long run i think uh, you will be forced um, to acknowledge that football is the very big teams are only successful because you have a lot of small clubs as well and the interest in football is there uh, because it's the whole system you need the whole league you need the second and third division in countries and um, if only the big clubs earn all the money all the time right now it is a vicious cycle you need it i understand Bayern munich and i also like it if they win the champions league as a german and i understand them wanting as much money as possible to keep up with the other big clubs but you need clear rules that psg and man city and some other clubs cannot spend as much. So Bayern doesn't need to feel forced to go there somehow. And then the Borussia Dortmund doesn't need to feel close to get to earn more and more to get closer to Bayern and, you know, and back in the German league and uh, in any other league in the world, because you always try to keep up with the richest. And if you don't have clear rules there and try to cut things a little bit, um, it's going to be a problem. 
Absolutely, and we will see how the future holds. And I think if we look at the America, they have certain ways to make the sport. You know, like uh, everybody will have a chance in the sport. But we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, uh, this is the end of our podcast today. Uh, super insightful, super interesting, and fun. Thanks again, guy. Much appreciated for your times and uh, expertise. And uh, I hope you have a great weekend. I know, pal, you got to work on the weekends uh, because you are in the football industry. So good luck with the matches. And I hope to catch up with you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you very much.